This show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. This is Popular Technology Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone. It's Popular Technology Radio, and it is CES time, the Consumer Electronics Show. Here we are in Las Vegas. It seems weird to say CES 2019, but there, I said it. It wasn't so bad. But yes, we schlep out to Las Vegas for the biggest, one of the biggest trade shows that ever comes to Las Vegas, which is saying something, and that's CES. It is so fun to be here. We are stationed here in the South Hall above lots of wonderful companies, kind of in drone area. And this is not open to the public, which is why we are broadcasting to you so you can experience it through the wonders and the miracles of radio and podcasting. So you're welcome. Here we are hanging out, and I got my good friend. Who is the first person that's going to be with me today? It's the guy who has been with me forever. It's Jeff Morrison. It has Jeff been a while. From, you were an editor-at-large, The Wire Cutter, yep. and you also are working for CNET these days. Yep. And how many CESs have you been to? This is my 19th CES. Nice and easy to count because my first one is in 2000. So, <laughs> yeah. 19. And I 2001. Think... Wait. Oh, my oh God. is it? No, no, 18? 2001. That's why it's easy to count. Yeah, okay. It's been a long day already. Yeah, it has been a long day. You know, and if Jeff, if we were to give a visual for somebody who had never been to CES, how big is it? How many square feet? Just, just a wild guess. Everywhere. It's everywhere. It encompasses all of time and space. It can. <laughs> Which is, it, for this, for the sake of argument, lost all of Las Vegas almost. Pretty much, yeah. So, this convention center has many, many halls, and CES completely fills all of them. Mm-hmm. They spread out to other hotels. It is not, and, and, and I, they've had to expand to like tents out in the parking lots. That's right. And it's overflowed the, all the buildings, so there's even more everywhere. And, and I heard they're adding uh, 300,000 more square feet of space here at the convention center. Somewhere. Somewhere. I don't know where they're going to put that. it up. That's the only place they yeah, can go. Right. So you've been here for 19 years. I've been here, I want to say this might be my 22nd wow. CES, which is maybe even more than that. It's hard to believe. But, and I, every Did they year, even have like electronics back then? Well, they, you know, they, they had horse-drawn carriages, of course. Oh, I mean, well, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. high tech. Yeah. It was high tech in the days. So, uh, so have you had a chance to walk around? And I a know little bit, yeah. What were you expecting when you before you came here? You, you mostly, mostly probably knew a lot of things were going to be introduced. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing now that's probably a lot more different than back when we first started going is that all of this stuff gets announced before the show. Yeah. Or at the very least, most press outlets get like preview stuff that they can publish after an NDA lifts, usually during the first day of the show. So... You know, just by going online, you can kind of see, oh, yeah, this got announced, this got announced, all immediately as it happens. And a lot of websites live tweet or live publish during press conferences to talk about what's being announced. So walking around the next day, you kind of, yeah, I saw that online. <laughs> yeah, there it is in person. And <laughs> Does it ever get uh, not relevant to come? You know, that, that's, a, that's a big question. And, and trade shows in general have that kind of problem, which is it's so expensive for companies to yeah. come. A lot of companies, especially this it, it, one. Yes, especially this one, and it's it's crazy to, to get a room here. If you can get a room, yeah. it's six hundred dollars a night. If you can get a table at a restaurant, it's it's a headache for yeah. companies to come. And you know, in and the old, a lot of the smaller audio companies are not coming anymore, right? Uh, because it's just not worth it for them. It's better for them to do smaller regional shows. Yeah, uh, which I think we've we've talked about before. Yes, but yes. Uh, yeah, I think there is something to be said about see, not only seeing the stuff in person, but kind of you, you walking around. You you get a a vibe for what the year is really about. Like you said, we're, we're down in this area where there's a lot of drone stuff, and there's a lot of drone stuff, yes. and a lot of robot stuff this Tons. year. And then in the Central Hall, there's TV stuff, and like this year, it's kind of more about 8K. I mean, a number of companies have been 
showing off prototype 8K TVs for years. And this year, there's actually stuff where they're like, yeah, yeah, we're totally going to ship it this year. And like, <laughs> Fingers yay. crossed. So uh, that's certainly new. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but LG has an, uh, an OLED that rolls up into a little thing. It's and funny you said yeah. that because I have seen that. now. I And I read about it yeah. coming to the show. Yeah. And I was kind of like, huh, all right, that's interesting. Now that I've seen it. Pretty cool. I want one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is Bitchin'. I was talking with a, a couple of colleagues about it, and, and we're all kind of of the, the mindset of they're doing it because they can do it, but I also think that on top of that, there's going to be certain people who are like, yeah, I'll pay the premium for that. Yes. You know, it's yes. not going to replace every TV, but it'll certainly replace some people like, no, 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 I want something that disappears into a cabinet so I don't have to look at it. And that's what it is. And, and I didn't really, I, I didn't grasp that when I read about it, because I don't think I saw any pictures. Mm. And then I read about it, okay, roll up, I don't see it in my world why that was important. And then you see it, and yeah, you're right, it comes, you know, it's in a... It's a console. It's, it's not a console yeah. that's kind of like, imagine a sound bar that's larger. Sure. And, and it comes out of that. And or like uh, a table on the, that you'd have on the side of a room. or Yeah. It's like a, like a, it's, and it's fairly low. Like obviously, you can mount it higher than that. But it's, it's an interesting look, you know. It's cool. Yeah. It is really cool. Yeah, uh, I'm yes. sure there's plenty of people listening who think, you know, yes, I want my TV to disappear. Especially if these things get as big as these companies want to go. That I mean, Sony has a 98-inch 8K TV in their booth. And, you know, I reviewed an 80-inch LCD when those first came out, and they're oppressive when they're sitting in your room and yes. off or on. And, and this is coming from someone who has a 100-inch screen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'm used to a much larger screen. And that's right. There is something about a TV that size that just becomes very... And when you say screen, but you, you have a projector, projector and a screen. screen. Yeah. So, so it's a, screen a wall that, size yeah. thing, you know. But because it's not something that's out in the room, it's just flat it doesn't kind of dominate the room, whereas an 80-inch or 98-inch TV definitely dominates yes. the space. So something that would roll up and disappear when you're not using it, that size, I think that's a great Oh, it's a great idea. World. Exactly. All right, on that note, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We are at CES 2019, coming to you from Las Vegas. We've got more on Pop Tech Radio. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Cancer is the number one cause of death by disease for children in the U.S. today. Since the Austin Hatcher Foundation's birth in 2006, it has grown to provide unique programs to help the children and the families affected by pediatric cancer. Support begins at the time of diagnosis and continues throughout survivorship at no cost to families. Lives touched by the foundation continue to rise each day. But we need your help. Donate, volunteer, or partner with the Austin Hatcher Foundation. Learn how you can get involved. Visit HatcherFoundation.org for more information. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Mike at Chart, Pop Tech Radio, hanging out. It's Las Vegas. It's CES 2019, part of our ongoing coverage. We are here at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Unfortunately, it is closed to the general public, but we are here. We get to broadcast, and we've got all the kind of cool news coming at you, hopefully. And uh, we've got Jeff Morrison from The Wirecutter and CNET talking about roll-up screens and large, gigantic TVs that are 95 inches. 98. 98 inches, excuse me. And, you know, it, it, at that size, like you said, it's oppressive. It's so darn big. Yeah. But that's just where it's all going, right? I, and I look at a 55-inch TV set, and I have to admit, I'm embarrassed to say it looks small. I and mean, that's really what <laughs> that's I need for my... true, yeah. You know, you're like, oh, that looks, was that a 40? No, it's a 55 for crying out loud. When I first started talking about when those first TVs, the 80, 70, 80... 85-inch TVs yeah. started coming out. I had even said in my reviews of that at the time, I was like, look, these aren't ever going to be as popular as as the smaller screen sizes. Right. And, I, and a lot of comments were always like, you don't know what you're talking about, this is the future. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 
don't know. I love large screens. I I will always have an, a large screen, but just the, the numbers don't support it. And now they are the largest screen sizes is the fastest growing, if I remember the numbers correctly, the fastest growing segment of the market, but it is still a, a much smaller part of the market than yes. 50 inch, 60 inch, and so forth. And it's like that's also, you look at worldwide, houses typically are smaller than they are in the US, so they don't, they can't fit necessarily a right. 80 inch screen in there. Maybe, some places, but sure. You better, but if, you, if you're looking at even a 75 or a 65 inch TV set, you better have a pretty good size living room for that. Yeah. To me, you know, for for the for the best viewing, and, and there are a number of guides online you can kind of get approximations of, yeah. of how far away you sit and what size TV and, you should and have. And there's there's a um, an enthusiast might be more willing to sit closer to a larger screen and have that experience. An enthusiast, but you know the listeners of this show. But that doesn't necessarily mean that every member of a family would be as comfortable sitting that close right. to a large screen. They're going to want to sit back a little farther from it, and there it kind of evens out where people's like, "Oh, I feel comfortable sitting this far away," and usually that's about ten feet, yeah, uh, regardless of screen size. So it's just something to keep in mind that not everyone likes screens that size. <laughs> well, and. You know, back in, in when this show was called Sound and Vision Radio, and, and you were writing for Sound and Vision at the time, and right. you know, we always used to talk about the WAF, the WAF, the wife acceptance factor. And you might have. I, 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 I've never used that term. Okay, but yes. All right. I know, but, just, I know what you're describing. Yeah, but yes. for those of us that are married, you know, there is a um, uh, there's a point of, of where it, it, the, 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 your your partner will step in and say that's just too damn big for the room. Right. And um, but even that's probably changing. And and in I was just speaking with somebody at TCL who makes a wonderful television set, uh, often uh, pointed out in the wire cutter as yep. one of the best sets. So I kind of five hundred dollars or around a five hundred dollars. Yeah, they make a good TV. They make a good TV. And but I was talking to somebody there, and she was saying, you know, you you get the fifty-five inch home, and it seems big, or the fifty inch or fifty-five, and um, it suddenly doesn't seem that big after about a week or so. It's true. <laughs> you get used to it. Yeah. You know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe when you're standing 65. two inches from it at a store, it seems a lot bigger than you yes. put it in your house, and it seems a lot smaller. That's and right. that I have often given that advice of like always go larger than you think you, you yes. need. But in my mind, that was like get a 60 instead of a 55, yes. not get a 90. Because that, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> that's right. It is. But it's where we're going. I mean, there's there's no getting around it. I don't know. I don't maybe think we're. I don't think we're going to get to a 90 inch TVs being commonplace, mm-hmm. but. I think wall screens is far more likely, where you just have a wall that's, that is off and it looks like paint, and then you turn it on and it looks mm. like a TV. Samsung has their wall TV, literally called wall TV, mm-hmm. uh, or the wall, I guess. Sony has a version of that, that te- technology as well, where, it, where it's these little LEDs, micro LEDs in, in some cases, and those super bright, super small, and you can scale it to be the size of a wall and high, have, have uh, high resolution. That I think is far more likely because it doesn't have that oppressive nature of this thing in your living room. It's mm-hmm. just the wall and it's off. You don't even notice it. Are we five years away from that being moderately affordable? Mm, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, I think five years from now, maybe that'll be an option for where these large screens prices are now. I mean, I'm, I don't. They, none of these companies have announced prices on these huge 8K TVs. No, and LG has not announced our roll-up. Yeah, but, price. but I mean, five figures for sure. You right. know, to start, and that's fine. But I mean, will a wall TV be ten thousand dollars in five years that you could, you know, conceivably install into your house? Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that'd be easy to do. Uh, maybe even less, but. Uh, whether that's commonplace is a whole other thing. We'll find out. All right, we got to take a quick commercial break. On that note, we've got more with Jeff Morrison when we come back from CES 2019. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
on the track, even one hundredth of a second decides who wins and who loses. That's why Bridgestone uses advanced racing technology to create their fastest street legal replacement tire yet. The new Bridgestone Potenza RE71R. Engineered with an innovative hydro evacuation surface and unique tread compounds, the new Potenza RE71R is designed to give you maximum grip and ultimate cornering on or off the track. Bridgestone is changing the game in tire performance. This is Popular Technology Radio. This show is presented in part by Bridgestone. We're passionate about making tires you can count on to perform when it matters most. Now, here's your host. And we are back. It is Popular Technology Radio. We are in Las Vegas. My feet are hurting. And it's CES 2019. Jeff Morrison, editor-at-large from The Wirecutter and CNET, is here. We are talking screens and televisions. And who was I just talking to? Somebody, we, I was in the TCL booth minutes ago. And uh, I was looking at their offerings, their product offerings, and obviously the wire cutter has been uh, big fans of their TV sets. Great TVs, around 500 bucks. And my brother got what must have been last year's model, a 50-inch TV, I think, maybe 55, 50 or 55, $379 (laughs) on Amazon, $379 for a damn nice television. You know, it's, it's amazing of just having seen the the arc of flat panel TVs because I, I started in the industry kind of around that that time of the first I was working plasma? at Circuit City as a uh-huh. kid when the first plasma TV came out and how horrible those looked for $15,000 <laughs> and then, and then just kind of through the you know my years of reviewing of, of plasmas and L, and then the first LCDs which also looked absolutely terrible and and you know there were always kind of the oh, plasma TV is the best and you get a Japanese plasma TV and these are the best things and then a little later on it was like oh, okay well actually the Korean stuff is ends up being a little bit better and then there'll be on the undercurrents like oh you get a cheap TV all these Chinese, Chinese TVs yeah. look terrible oh yeah, yeah. terrible don't you know want to get one of those and now it's like yeah no those, those look great too <laughs> like, well yeah everything looks great and it's unbelievably inexpensive and in the case of these TCL TVs, you know, I, I understand uh, TCL is the largest brand in China okay. for television. That makes sense, yeah. Yeah, um, but it, you know, it, and we've I think talked about this on the show over the years. You know, it's interesting, and we've all been coming for roughly 20 years to this show. And you know, as it, it was a Japanese market for these for a lot of these flat panel televisions, then you see the Koreans come in. Yep. Then the Koreans, they do the TVs, and they're suddenly bringing in appliances. Well, both both the Korean companies, Samsung and LG, mm-hmm. they've both moved higher end. They've yes. pretty much, not completely, but more or less stopped competing in the low end of the market because yes. they've kind of ceded that. So it's like, all right, well, we can't compete with these Chinese companies on the, on the low end of, this, of it. And that was a number of years ago. And then now you have companies like TCL and like Vizio, they make they, they get a lot of their TVs mm-hmm. from certain Chinese companies, and they're kind of moving up market where yes. they they're selling stuff that's like, all right, yeah, we can do the cheap stuff, and that's fine. You want to do that, but here was our offerings of how we're going to do really really good looking TVs you know, sure. to, to compete on performance, and they're succeeding in, in a lot of ways. You know, they're not OLED quality yet, no, but I'm sure one of these companies will. I think I guess, last year, I think it was Hisense or some other company. They were showing off OLED, but. I didn't hear anything after that, or where they were getting at, or whether yeah. they just were branding a, an LG panel, which is what most of these companies are doing. I'm not sure, but it's it's inevitable that 
or I shouldn't say it's inevitable because maybe they'll just pass by OLED completely and go to micro LED or micro quantum LED. dot direct view. Well, I want to talk yeah. about micro LED because that was uh, that's what it, I, I certainly saw some micro LED TCL offerings. I was surprised to see in the TCL booth appliances. So that's hmm. that's kind of that was the 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 you know uh, the the Korean brands Samsung and. LG, you know, they did the TVs, then they bring in the appliances, and now we're seeing appliances from the Chinese companies as well. So, and they, they, they were a little cagey on when they're going to be released here. They're, of course, available in China, right. but I, it's just a matter of time. Sure. And, and, you know, that's the evolution of this industry. I don't know, if, is there another place after China? Uh, inevitably. Inevitably. Yeah. Wherever that will be, wherever whether that it's India be. or Vietnam or whoever. Could be, yeah. yeah. Uh, this discussion of that. There's also China is investing billions and billions and billions of dollars in Africa, Africa. Yeah. Yes. Um, in to build up infrastructure and you know so there's a great video online uh, I think it was Wendover Productions did one where like Africa is China's China uh, right about this that they I think it was Wendover Productions that it, talking about how it's like they're they're hoping to get stuff you know manufactured inexpensively there because now it's becoming too expensive to make things in China because sure. of how uh, how much better paid people are there now. That's right, and they and they you know like uh, like everything you you start making a little bit more money as a, as a as a society or a peoples in this mm-hmm. case mm-hmm. in China, they want their MTV so to speak. They yeah. want they want some stuff, yeah. and and then the cost goes up, and that's you know. A, Electronic components and oil and plastics and all that stuff cost the same. It's the it's the it, around the world for the most part. You you save on labor in China or you right. did pretty much yeah. But yeah. now as that standard rises, now the big the other big thing about China and, and a lot of people miss this when they talk about kind of bringing manufacturing to the U.S. is the fact that all of this stuff in bulk is going to China right now. Right. So it's cheaper, Those all those materials become cheaper because they're just being shipped to China, yes. so it's easier to make them there. Whereas you were to divert off, let's say, 10% of it to make iPhones in the US, well, that 10% becomes significantly more expensive. Yeah. So all the parts become more expensive, and the labor gets more expensive to an extent. So yeah, it's not just as easy as like, oh, make stuff here. It, it, it's that's a, that's, a lot more challenging than it's that. It's a lot more challenging than that. Can't just make a soundbite. Yeah, well, we'll see. Well, you know, but it, it is it is fascinating because you know again we have the perspective of, of coming here over the last 20 years more or less and it is interesting to just see the trends and and the different countries come in and and you know and and I'm I think we're all uh, too young to remember well I, I vaguely remember the the J- Japanese stuff is cheap you yeah. know in the 60s when I was sure. a little little kid right and boy how that changed by the, even by the late 70s that, certainly, but certainly. It, again these timelines are are shrinking much smaller much, much shorter smaller, much shorter, smaller, yeah. Much shorter. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, so maybe we should come back in 20 years and we can we'll play, play snippets from this show, <laughs> from this show. That's and then right. we'll refer back to it and I'll, I'll have my walker here there you, you go know, we'll yeah. talk about the good old days alright exactly. on that note we're going to take a quick break we are coming right back from CES you're listening to Popular Technology Radio Stay right there. We'll be right back with more Popular Technology Radio. My dad is a proud doer, always building, repairing, or maintaining something. He relies on Craftsman tools, and I do the same. Today, Craftsman mechanics tools, metal storage, and lighting are available from your favorite retailers. But that's only the beginning. A full line of retooled and refined products are on the way. Find your favorite store at Craftsman.com and stay tuned for more big news from this trusted American brand.
Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. And we are back, Popular Technology Radio. Mike Etchart here, recording from the Las Vegas Convention Center. We are in the South Hall. We are hanging out with Jeffrey Morrison. He, of course, is the editor-at-large at The Wirecutter. Thewirecutter.com, one of my favorite sites for reviews. It's a fantastic site. He also writes for CNET. We are talking about displays and how inexpensive and yet large they are and look fantastic. It, it's, it's a great time to be a consumer when prices are this low. You know, I was walking through the Sony booth today and just looking at some of the TVs and I actually had a mental thought of like, I'm so glad that I don't review televisions anymore. Because I mean, I, re- I write about the technology and I know about this stuff, but uh, I kind of pulled myself back from actually reviewing them the way I used to. And I'm so glad because even at the time when I stopped doing that, which was a number of years ago now, I was having difficulty kind of coming up with interesting things to say about these TVs because like even at that point, like, man, they look pretty good. Yes. And now they look even better. Like they look good then, they were all fine. And then now there's like, okay, well they look even better now. But the differences between them, like the difference between an average television and a great television, I would say is probably far less of a jump than it was 10 years ago. Yes. And so like even an average television now, it's like, that's going to be a great looking picture. Especially well, with HDR and Quantum Dot. Like oh, these are amazing yeah. technologies. And let's talk about Quantum Dot and Micro LED and what those two things are. Because sure. you're seeing that batted around here. Yeah. So And then we also have OLED, and that's different. Totally different. Than yeah, OLED. Yeah. All right, so this will be about a 30-minute segment. Is that <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we don't have quite that long. Uh, okay, so Quantum Dot are these microscopic dots, essentially, that when you supply them with energy, usually light, they glow a different color of light. So Mm -hmm. you hit them with a little blue light, and they'll glow bright red or bright green. And they're also blue ones, but they're not typically used. So this is great for television, because you can have blue LEDs, which are a number of reasons to use blue LEDs, but that's a whole other side thing. (laughs) We'll take your word for it. Yeah, yeah. So they use blue LEDs, and then either on the strip of, of LEDs, they kind of coat that with quantum dots, or more commonly now, they have a layer in the TV that is these the quantum dot material, so that when this blue light lights up, the red and green quantum dots also light up, and now you have blue from the blue LEDs, and red and green from these quantum dots, and that's all you need for television, is red, green, and blue. That's it. That's it. And so these are unbelievably efficient, like 98% efficient when they're doing it. So they lowers the total power requirements for the television, or as most companies do now too, they crank up the brightness for HDR. Right. Micro LED is kind of what it sounds like. They are little LED lights. Okay, so we're done with quantum dots. Yes. Now we're micro LEDs. Although I'll probably talk about them again in a second, but yes, generally so. (laughs) Micro LED is, uh, there's no TVs yet that you can buy with uh, micro LED, but they're kind of like coming out. They're 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 on. They're getting there. Samsung has the wall. Sony has. Uh, they used to call it Cletus, but I think they changed the name. That's a bad name. Yeah, it's a bad name. Crystal LED, I think, is what they're calling. Okay, it. that's a better name. Uh, yeah, and these are right now. They're they're huge because it's difficult to get the distance between the individual LEDs. So each pixel, or possibly even each subpixel, is an actual LED, which no TV up to this point has done. Okay, because it ends up being kind of expensive to create these, but the price of the LEDs have come down enough. The efficiency is up so that these aren't, the heat generated isn't as bad as it was. So you could have individual LEDs, and that's great because that means you can individually adjust the brightness for each pixel, which you can't do with an LCD, and the contrast ratio becomes incredible, and the the good contrast ratio, that's a good picture. Potentially, these could be brighter and more efficient and last longer than OLED. 
and so OLED's the last one, organic light emitting diode. Again, slightly different. You have a material that glows when you supply it with energy. It's organic because that's carbon in the types of things that, mm -hmm. that it's that's creating light. But again, you can create, like micro-LED, you can dim individual pixels or turn them off completely. You can have a black level that's actually no light, which you can't with an LCD. So the contrast ratio becomes far better, the image quality becomes far better, which is why typically pretty much every reviewer out there is saying that OLED is the best-looking picture, closely followed by some of these high-end LCDs now that have quantum dots and so forth. But what micro-LED is going to hopefully happen at some point is they'll get small enough that they'll be TV-sized, in quotes, and potentially look even better or at least as good as OLED, but offer kind of an alternative because OLED has its own issues with kind of it's difficult to manufacture. LG has pretty much got a handle on it, but it seems like, and this is just a guess on my part, that they have patents on enough things to do it cheaply that no other company has been able to do it. Oh. Samsung, when they, they briefly flirted with OLED, and they obviously couldn't get it, you know, the manufacturing cheap enough for them to actually make money on it, so they dropped it. Well, it's confusing it from a consumer standpoint, because oh, sure. you've got micro LED, micro LED, you've got quantum dot, you've got... OLED, yeah, and then and you've Samsung, got QLED. Yeah, and Samsung calls it, because Samsung, oh, they've, been done, they've done this for so many years, where they kind of take a name of something that's not really accurate, and yes. then they market the hell out of it, and everyone assumes it. So it's their fault that everyone calls the TVs now LED TVs, but they're not, and they never have been. They just were LCD TVs that happened to have LED in them instead of what you know, cold cathode fluorescence. So... <laughs> It was very frustrating to me as a writer talking about this stuff because like, people were like, oh, I want an LED TV, not an LCD. I'm like, no, no, no. That's the same thing. Yes. Right, um, right, right. So, yes. So, so now they're calling them QLEDs to compete with, OLED. I guess, OLED. OLED, OLED, OLED yeah, yeah, fine. But it's not. It's just an LCD with an LED backlight with quantum dots that they're now just rebranding as, ooh, QLED. Now, I say that because I'm annoyed with the marketing. But the TVs look great. I mean, well, these are very exactly. good-looking right. televisions, yes. for sure. And Samsung has always made great TVs. but Well, not always, but since they've become good, they have made good TVs consistently. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's... I just... Uh, they're mar they, they put a lot of money in marketing. So, so if we're talking about OLED, right now it's only LG, right? Yes. So oh. there are other brands that are uh, in the U.S. that are selling OLED, like Sony, but those are... Panels are made by LG. LG. panels, yes. Right. So prices are coming down in OLED. Are you ready to say, me as a new TV buyer should go out and get an OLED? If that's in your budget, for sure. But I what's mean, the budget? Are we talking... We're not, we're not under $1,000. No, we're, are I don't we under $2,000? Yeah, I think in some cases that they're that price. Okay, we're getting yeah. closer. We are getting closer. And, that, and it's just, you know, looking back... Fifteen hundred bucks, two thousand dollars for a TV. It's oh, like for, for a high-end television, that's that's super low. Oh yeah, compared to what it used to be. It used to be. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. On that note, Jeff, we need to say toodaloo to you. Thanks for coming by. Hey, thanks for having Always me. Always great to have you here, Jeff Morrison. He is, of course, the uh, editor at large of the Wirecutter, and you can also find him on CNET. Stay right there. It's Pop Tech Radio from CES 2019. Have you ever tried to plan a vacation and the hotel costs, airfare, and pet sitter all add up to one big never mind? Well, it's time to embrace the adventure and go RVing instead. GoRVing.com is your one-stop shop for all things RV camping. Browse the different types of RVs, find a rental agent or dealer near you, and compare the costs. Explore more than 16,000 RV parks and campgrounds nationwide, and even plan your menus for the trip. Find out what you've been missing at GoRVing.com. That's GoRVing.com.
Hey, and we are back. I'm Mike Etchart here with Pop Tech Radio at CES 2019. It seems still weird to say that, 2019, really. But yes, we are here. We are in the South Hall of Las Vegas Convention Center. And I've got Patrick Santucci from DJI. If you are a fan of drones, you really know who DJI is or are. Which is it, Patrick? Is or are? DJI is a company. You really know who DJI is. Let's go with that. How did DJI get to be the drone company? So we started in 2006, and our real base platform was drone components. Uh, And then gradually, we started to make our own drone. One of the core technologies, though, which is really interesting, is the uh, signal that goes from the remote controller to the drone itself. Uh, This is a really difficult technology to develop, making sure that you have a steady, reliable connection to control this this, uh, you know, piece of technology that's mm-hmm. that's a distance from you. So that's actually a real strong backbone to DJI as a company is, is this uh, remote control technology. And then in the last few years, I mean, if you follow our company, you see that uh, we, we've been popping up pretty much everywhere and we, we are the, the, the leader in, in civilian drone technology now. It's amazing. And, and, it's, and it's only been since 2006 that you guys have been around. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, this, this market has exploded. We happen to have our booth kind of in drone land. You know, they, they kind of break... Not not in not exclusively, but there tend to be sections here at CES, and this yeah. is uh, lots of drone companies. But you guys are the big Kahuna for sure, yeah. and uh, and we kind of take it for granted now how yeah. amazing the technology is, don't we? How far we've come since two thousand and six, which isn't that far back, yeah. but it's dramatically changed. And again, you know, my last guest, Jeff Morrison from the Wirecutter, we talked about. You know, just how the, the how manufacturing has has reduced the price and increased the 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 the, the, the quality of all this stuff here. No, no matter where you are at CES and in the drone world, it's yeah. unbelievable what these things can do. The quality of the camera, the, the the distance, the speed, everything has changed year by year. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and it's really cheap to get into a drone. I mean, it's Absolutely. it's crazy. So, if somebody wants to just kind of step, they're not familiar with drones. What's what's a good starting place? So, I'm going to recommend DJI. Yeah, um, of course, because, and, I, and I, as you should. Yeah, if you're interested in drone technology, um, I really recommend um, starting out with a product like our, our Spark drone, which is um, it came out a few years ago. But I recommend this drone for several reasons. Um, and as I uh, we've worked to expand drone usage in different media outlets. The biggest holdup has been mainly, I've never flown a drone before, I would really want to you know, take a look and write about its technology, but where do I start? Like, I'm, I'm terrified of crashing this thing. Uh, you know, the product's usually on loan, so you know, it's, it's a risk. So what I usually do is I send the DJI Spark. And it's an older product, but it's uh, super rugged, it's super compact, but it actually has a lot of the like, core technologies that make flying our drones super easy. So GPS signals, so it, does, it hovers in place when you let go of the joysticks, uh, you, know, you can control it, connect your phone, you can see the cameras, live feed. So it's a pretty affordable drone at this point. It's uh, I think it's under uh, 400 bucks now. Wow! Um, for, for in the U.S. market, and it's honestly you got a, a decent camera. You got the some of the you know core technologies that make DJI drones so reliable in a little portable form factor. And it, honestly, it's probably one of the best starter drones uh, I could actually recommend. And you're talking 400 bucks, yeah, give or take or less, and it's just unbelievable. 400 bucks, yeah, and it's it's rather rugged too because uh, people do crash them. That's why I send sure. it to you know you, you're going to learn. And this, these drones, you know, they take they take a beating. And they keep on licking. Yep. So, um, and, you know, one of the things, is, since I came from the entertainment business, it is amazing how drone technology has yep. has transformed movie making. Mm-hmm. And again, and like everything, whether it's cameras or the editing programs, the price is coming down. And when you, mm-hmm. you know, 
you used to have to get a helicopter to do a lot of these aerial <laughs> yeah. shots, and now you can get maybe a four hundred dollar device, and and it's stunning. And mm-hmm. it, again, the power of of that technology in the hands of the average consumer is amazing. It's yeah. a wonderful time to be a consumer and Absolutely. and being able to get all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's the entry level. When we talk about kind of the high end, what are you bringing to the table these days? You know, what what's what's kind of the top end of the market in terms of cool features? Uh, so this uh, last August, we actually launched our Mavic 2 series. Mm-hmm. And the Mavic Pro, when it first came out a few years ago, was really the gold standard for a drone. Uh, it was uh, highly compact. It has this uh, iconic folding design, so it's, it's super portable. It has a you know pretty decent camera. Um, and then the transmission signal, again, one of DJI's cores, was really state-of-the-art when we launched that. So this last August, when we launched Mavic 2, we came out with just a, a completely upgraded system. So from the Spark, you know, there's there's a few other layers of drones, but um, for people that are content creators or people that are interested in really higher image quality and higher uh, performance, uh, the Mavic 2 is really a gold standard. So it still has the iconic folding design. It has omnidirectional sensing, so always trying to keep people out of trouble. Trying, we're not trying to help you, you know, not crash. Yeah. Uh, so sensing on the front, the back, the sides, the rear, top, bottom, you name it. Some of the latest transmission signals, so it's a like a really high performance uh, AccuSync 2.0 transmission. It's a DJI specialty. So you get, although you know. FAA regulations, you have to keep the drone within line of sight. We've, we've tested the drone for up to five miles of, of uh, um, range. Wow, um, five miles of range. Yes. That's yes. stunning. But you, again, you always need to follow your, your regulations for whatever country of course. you're flying in. Absolutely, or, or state, or county, exactly. or city, mm-hmm. all kinds of things per- pertaining to that. Yes, but, yes. Uh, and that is one of the... the, the one of the things you, you must learn as a, as a consumer if you if you enter the drone market, right? Absolutely, yeah. So that's the Mavic 2 system, uh, and that's kind of actually right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have two versions. We have uh, the Mavic 2 Pro, and that's, uh, that features a one-inch sensor and a, um, a camera we co-engineered uh, with Hasselblad. Uh, so you get really killer uh, image quality out of it. Uh, and then we also have the Mavic 2 Zoom, which is the second version of it. And that actually is a smaller sensor, but you get a two times digital and two times optical zoom. So you have this really unique zooming function, which is not really found in uh, almost any of other, our other drones. And that's really the gold standard for you know your average consumer or people that are content creators, you own your, sure. own your own YouTube channel or your... You and, and what are we talking price-wise for those? The Zoom is a 1200 bucks, and okay. then the Pro goes up to about 15 Okay. Um, Still, that's not a lot of money for what you're getting. Yeah. Yes. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And then we, we actually go into our higher-end gear, too. So you can look at um, uh, last October, or actually two Octobers ago, 2017, we launched the Zenmuse X7. This is where you really enter the more Hollywood uh, production level. Uh-huh. Um, so this is goes on our Inspire 2 drone, which is a, a bigger rig. It has a, a max flight speed of uh, 65 miles an hour and 30 minutes of flight time. But this camera is really state-of-the-art. It's a, it's a 6K camera. It's got a, wow. a 24 megapixel stills, uh, interchangeable lens system that we designed, all made from carbon fibers, so they're super lightweight. Um, they're all balanced so that when you swap lenses, you don't have to worry about it being in balance or anything like that. And that's really like, the higher-end movie-making side. Awesome. Um, we talk about that when we come back. We are Pop Tech Radio. We are at CES 2019. Stay right there. We are coming back for you. There are many words you could use to describe the new Kia Stinger GT. Stunning. Stylish. Sporty. The word breathtaking, however, isn't just an adjective. It's a warning. Because while the ability to go 0 to 60 in 4.7 seconds might take your breath away, going 60 to 0 with powerful Brembo brakes will help you catch it again. The 2018 Kia Stinger GT, fueled by youth. 
Stinger GT rear-wheel drive using launch control with factory-equipped 19-inch wheels. Results may vary. Do not attempt. Always drive safely. Welcome back to Pop Tech Radio, your source for the latest emerging tech and hot internet trends. Now, here's your host. It is CES 2019, Pop Tech Radio. Mike Etchard here for our last segment of this, what is continuing coverage, actually, of CES. We're doing a number of shows from the show today, so just because we're wrapping up, we're going to have more next week and in the week after as well. We've got uh, Patrick Santucci. He is the Senior Communications Manager for DJI, the preeminent drone maker here. So you guys are, are dipping into other things as well besides drones now. Yeah, um, so uh, we're definitely most known for our drones, but if you look at our uh, our drones now, most of them have a high-quality camera, mm-hmm. and what you get out of that high-quality camera is really steady footage, so that's actually our gimbal technology. Uh-huh. Um, so um, yes, we're, a, we're very much a drone company, but we've started taking that gimbal technology to the ground. So if you look on our professional side, we have uh, products like the Ronin 2 or the Ronin S, uh, and these are handheld gimbals for your camera. Right. Uh, everything from high-end cinema cameras to um, the Ronin S, which supports you know mirrorless systems or DSLRs, and then even your mobile phone. So we have like our Osmo series. So Osmo Mobile 2 stabilizes your phone footage, or the Osmo Pocket, which we just released uh, last November. It's a little 4K camera. It's about the size of a candy bar, and it's a three-axis gimbal and, uh, and a 4K wow. camera. It is, it, it, I wonder if that was anybody's intention when they started drones, that they would parlay, you know, kind of take a detour into that world. Maybe maybe, they, yeah. maybe that was a great part of the grand plan, but maybe not. And that's the interesting thing about technology is sometimes it takes you where you least expect it. Absolutely. Boy, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, uh, and all of these things are available now, or, or are you guys yeah. showing anything that's coming out in the future, or is everything that you show here out in stores right away? Almost everything is available right now on the market, with mm-hmm. the exception, we did release a new remote controller, the DJI Smart Controller for the Mavic series. Mm-hmm. That should be available sometime in the next few weeks, uh, pending government reopening. Ah, there you go, of course. That, that, that is the asterisk by that statement. And, and we should, you know, since we're talking about drones, we should, in general, what does a consumer need to do in terms of licensing when they get a drone? I know it depends, but do they generally need to get a, a local license to fly that drone? So there isn't really a local license. There's you're taking your Part 107 test. Okay. And that's only really applicable when you're doing commercial work. So are you making money from flying the drone? Uh-huh. If the answer is yes, then you need a Part 107 license. Okay. If you are just flying for fun, you know, capturing photos of you know, your vacation, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, you do not need uh, a license. But if you live near an airport or a variety of things, you know, how does one educate themselves on what they need and what, what restrictions they have? Yeah, so, so there's, there's a ton of sources. So DJI's website has uh, geolocation, so where you can fly, where you can. Check out your local state regulations, uh, review the federal government regulations. But a lot of our drones are aimed to keep people out of trouble. Uh, so within our drones, we have um, a block around airports. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't take off oh, within a right. certain range yeah. of airports. Yes. So this is technology that we're trying to you know, keep everyone out of trouble the best we can as this technology becomes more prevalent. So that's one where we kind of block you away from airports because that's what the FAA regulates. But then there's also, uh, you can't go 400 feet above ground level. That's an FAA regulation as well. It's built into our drones, again, trying to keep you out of trouble. Yeah. Uh, and then another thing worth mentioning is when you first buy a DJI 
drone and you, and you create an account and you're using our app, we actually have this thing called a knowledge quiz and it, and it offers uh, eight questions and it goes through real, real basic information, but it's trying to reiterate you know, the important rules and regulations that, um, that come with flying a drone. Wow. And, and of course, DJI is an international company. All Absolutely. of these drones are available around the world. And you know, I assume the same restrictions in most European countries, most industrialized nations have the same restrictions. They're, that, they're similar, yeah. Yes. They, they vary, but but for the most part, similar. Yeah. yeah. And what's the DJI website, by the way? DJI.com. It doesn't Real get simple. It. What does DJI stand for? Uh, DJI. Daijong Innovations. Oh, it does. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. It's a Chinese name, I assume. Chinese name, global company. I mean, in the U.S., we have four offices alone. Yeah, no, so, absolutely, so yeah. We're, we're, we grow very rapidly. That's fantastic. Uh, Patrick Santucci, thank you so much for joining us. It's My been pleasure. a pleasure. I, I've, I had a chance to walk through your booth. It is stunning how cool this stuff is. <laughs> thank I you. mean, it is absolutely super cool. <laughs> and on that note, folks, we do need to wrap up this episode of Popular Technology Radio from CES 2019. We sure appreciate you listening to us, whether it's on the radio or if it's podcast. By the way, we are podcast and are available wherever you get your podcasts, uh, including Apple iTunes. So if you want to check out other episodes episodes we are there and also uh, we're going to have more shows upcoming from uh, CES so this is the first one of many so a lot of so much to cover here my feet hurt it's a gigantic place about 150,000 people here give or take so there's a lot of stuff to talk about so we're going to have to spread it out over several shows so we got more in the future with that big thanks to Cody Castleberry he keeps it real and he keeps it organized and he keeps me focused and on task and he is also the producer and the editor of the show So thanks so much for listening, folks. Have a wonderful weekend and a wonderful day. We'll be back with more on Popular Technology Radio. Can't get enough? Listen to more episodes and check out our blog on poptechradio.com. The big news from Subaru is the all-new three-row Ascent. It's the biggest SUV from Subaru ever. There's room for seven or eight passengers with a choice of second-row captain's chairs or bench seating. It'll tow up to 5,000 pounds. It has the interior space you need for your whole crew. And it gets you where you want to go with the safety of a Subaru, including standard symmetrical all-wheel drive. The all-new three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. Maximum towing capacity varies by trim level, and trailer brakes may be required. See your retailer for details.